0: Hey everyone, Merry Christmas again. It's really nice to be here with you all to start off Christmas Day. But it's also a little bit strange to be here with you. Over the past few weeks leading up to Christmas, we've been thinking about this theme of being drawn to hope. The Magi, or the Wise Men as they're sometimes called, were drawn from the East to an unimportant town in an unimportant region, uh, guided by a star. The shepherds were drawn away from their jobs protecting the sheep to a feeding trough in a random barn guided by angels. And the same thing actually happened to you this morning. You woke up, probably earlier than you wanted to, and you were drawn away from your homes and whatever plans you had to a demountable in the middle of a field in Horsley Park. And now you're surrounded by an eclectic bunch of people who all had the same thing happen to them. What a strange thing to have happened to the Magi and the Shepherds 2,000 years ago, and then to happen to us today as well, as actually, not just us, but millions of people today, maybe billions of people across the centuries. So what guided you here? Think back on your morning, just for five seconds, and piece together how or why you got here. Have you got it? Maybe it was your parents, maybe it was tradition or commitment, maybe an star or an angel, who knows. Whatever guided you here this morning, I think underneath it, there's something deeper that drew you here. And there must be, right? For it to draw so many people for so long a time, there must be something deeper in all this happening to draw us in. This opening passage of Matthew kind of answers that question for us. It starts in a strange place with this genealogy, which is just a list of a person's ancestors. This guy is the father of that guy. who was the father of that guy and on and on. If you're familiar with the Bible, some of those names will be really interesting to you. And there's a lot to say about those names. But the most important thing that helps us understand why we've all been drawn here today, is summarised for us at the end of the list. There were fourteen generations from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the Exile, and fourteen from the Exile to the Messiah. Abraham was given a promise that he would become a great nation. Then there were fourteen generations until David was given a promise that the kingdom of his descendant would last forever. And then there were 14 generations until the exile, which was when the Israelites were conquered and taken as captives to Babylon. And during the exile, in their lowest moment as a nation, there was a promise given that God wouldn't abandon them, and that one day they'd return to their land. But at that point, none of these promises were fulfilled. They all kind of happened in part, in some way, but they weren't fulfilled. It looked like God's promises meant nothing, and it was like that for 14 more generations until the time of the Messiah, which is a title um, of Jesus. So when we get to Jesus in verse 18, the question is, is this another unfulfilled promise, like the promise to Abraham, or the promise to David, or the promise in the exile, or is this Messiah something else? When we read the story of his birth, the whole situation is chaotic. His mother Mary is betrothed to Joseph, but they're not yet married. So, when it's discovered that Mary is already pregnant, the betrothal, the promise between the two, falls apart. And Joseph, it seems according to custom, is going to divorce her. But he's a kind man. So, he was planning to do the divorce quietly because he didn't want to disgrace her in public. So basically, it looks like it's going to be another failed promise. But, before Joseph goes through with the divorce, an angel from God appears in his dream and says, Don't do what you were planning to do. Don't be afraid to continue with the marriage, because the son she carries is born of the Holy Spirit. So this whole situation is chaotic, but this baby to be born is, hum- is somehow not from infidelity. He didn't come from a broken promise. Verse 20, somehow he's born of the Holy Spirit. He's born of God. So after generations of disappointment and a chaotic beginning, there's a little hint of hope. The question is how? In the midst of chaos and after generation after generation of disappointment, how is Jesus any sort of hope? And the answer is all about his name but it's a little confusing at first in verse 21 the angel tells joseph to name his son jesus but in verse 23 god's words spoken by the prophets say you should name him emmanuel which means god with us and then in verse 25 it says joseph did exactly what he was told and he named him jesus so it says name him jesus name him Emmanuel, and Joseph did what he was told, and named him Jesus. It's confusing, but by not being named Emmanuel, he actually gives us more hope than if he were named Emmanuel. In verse 22, Matthew tells us that all of this happened, all of the chaos in his conception, and maybe also all these generations of disappointment, all happened for this moment so that God's words would be fulfilled. And he quotes from the book of Isaiah, which was written about 800 years before Jesus was born, where God said that there would one day be a son born of a virgin, and he would be named Emmanuel, which means God with us. Basically, it's the hope that God wouldn't abandon his people. And the sign of that would be that his son comes, And actually, not many years after that prophecy, 800 years ago, there was a child born, and he was named Emmanuel. And at the time, it actually showed the people of God that God was with them. But now Matthew quotes this prophecy again, 800 years later, 800 years after it was actually fulfilled, and he quotes it with the birth of Jesus. And what he means to say is that what happened 800 years ago when a child was born and named Emmanuel and God was with his people, what happened then was just a precursor for the real meaning of the prophecy. It's not that a child will be named Emmanuel, but that a child, despite what is named, will be called Emmanuel by everyone because he will actually be God with us. God in the flesh. So even though Jesus is named Jesus and not Emmanuel, he fulfills the prophecy of the child named Emmanuel because he is actually God with us. So after generations of disappointment and of unfulfilled promises, the hope that Jesus brings is the fulfillment of all the promises that have been left unfulfilled the one to Abraham, the one to David, the one in the exile. And as we go on in the book of Matthew, we actually see how he fulfills all those promises. But for today, as we sit together and celebrate his birth, we're really celebrating the hope that he brings to a chaotic and disappointed world. Christmas, even in the wider non-Christian secular culture, has taken on this kind of aura of being a hopeful time. And I think that's what we kind of need at the end of the year. But these few years have been tough. And actually, every year is kind of tough, even the good years. They're more filled with chaos and disappointment than we'd like them to be. And so, when there's hope, even just a glimpse of hope, we get drawn to it. And that's why I think we and billions of people across time are all drawn together in this Christmas period. Whether we know it or not, underneath the things that might have guided us here, like tradition or commitment or whatever, the thing that drew us here was Jesus, because he's the symbol and the reality of hope. And we're all drawn to hope.